Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Why Evangelism by Stu Miller. Well, let's pray as we start today. Father, thank you that you are an awesome God. Thank you for the privilege it is of knowing you, living for you, and walking with you. We pray today that you would speak to our hearts, you would soften our hearts and open our hearts to what you would want to say to us today. Lord, we are yours, and we surrender afresh this morning to you, and we pray for your blessing on the word as we look at your word, and we pray for receptive hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's fantastic that we're looking at the questions, why? Uh, Why questions are great. And today's session is on why evangelize. Why is good for not only understanding why we believe what we believe, but also so we can communicate that with others if we're ever challenged or asked the question. Um, There's five basic questions that I think every single person at some stage in their life asks. Where did I come from? Who am I? How should I live? Uh, Why am I here? What happens to me when I die? Those are the five base questions of life. Now, where did I come from is our origins. Uh, Who am I is our identity. How should I live is our morality. Why am I here is our purpose. And what happens to me when I die is my destiny. And so these are questions that every human being wants answers for. And and I think that when you look at the different religions and different worldviews and different ways of of viewing life, Christianity stands out above them them all because it is logical, cohesive and consistent in answering those five questions. It's a great uh, um, exercise to, to go through those questions and apply them to the major religions in the world. You, you get some really bizarre answers, but you also um, uh, see that everything doesn't seem to line up, whereas in, with Christianity it does. That Christianity is based on truth, and truth stands up to scrutiny. And so I think there's no problem at all with answering those why questions. Now, let's apply it, for example, to atheism. Now, atheism, if, if you were to ask those five, five questions, where did I come from? Well, everything came out of nothing, by nobody for no reason. Now, you, that's supposed to be the religion of science, atheism or materialism. But we've got laws of cause and effect. When there's an effect, there must be a cause. Now, there's a universe, so there must be a cause for that universe. But what scientists want to do is they, they uh, sorry, um, atheists want to do is they say, well, we're, we're all about science. But then you say, well, where did we come from? And they say, well, we came out of nothing. But even a child, if I were to give a child a box and say, there's nothing in that box. Now, if I were to come back and see you next year and you gave me that box and you hadn't put anything in it, what would be in it? They would say, well, nothing. Why? Because nothing produces nothing. (laughs) And I would say, what if you could live for a gazillion years and you still had that box and you gave it to me and you hadn't put anything into it? What would be in there? Would would a unicorn be in there? Would a a gold coin be in there? What, What would be in there? No, there'd be nothing. And even a child can tell you that because nothing produces nothing. It's magical to think that something comes out of nowhere. It's like me with my hands here. If I just went, okay, I'm going to pull something out of my hand and I just reach inside my hand and then pull out something like that. 
I mean, magicians do this, right? They make things disappear. They make things appear. And it's, it's, not because, it's not because they're magical and that they can materialize something out of nothing. They can't pull a, 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 a rabbit literally out of nothing and, and poof, there it is. It's a trick. And anyone can do this trick if you know what you're doing. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, to believe in atheism, really, you've got to believe in magic. It's fairy stuff to say that th- everything came out of nothing by nobody. Let's look at the next one. Who am I? Our identity. Well, you're an insignificant lump of atoms that came together by chance. That's who you are. You're just chemicals. There is no spirit. There is no soul. You're just material. There's no difference between you and a, scal- and a, and a slug that I just stood on this morning apart from the chemical makeup. There's nothing intrinsically valuable about you. You're not made in the image of God, so you're just chemicals. Just electrons and neutrons and all the rest of it, right? How should I live? Well, that's really up to a debate, isn't it? There's a a large degree of opinion amongst atheists as to how we live because really it's whatever, however you want to. Because we're just chemicals, there's no morals, there's no God above us telling us how we should live or that, and there's no absolute standard. There is no truth. It's just you just live morally how you want to live. And then a lot of them will say, oh, no, 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 we've got high morals. And a lot of atheists do have high morals, but what I'm saying is they've got no basis for saying something's right and something's wrong. If you believe murder is wrong, then what's wrong with murder? Who are you to tell me that, that I can't murder someone? If there's no God, there's no morality. It's just your opinion versus my opinion. And why am I here? Well, there is no purpose for you being here. You're an accident. You're just an evolutionary accident. You've just happened to come here and evolved over millions and millions of years. And here you are. There is no purpose. There's no higher calling. There's no higher purpose for your life. You just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die. Pretty much it. And what happens when I die? Worm food. That's it. I'm a, I'm, I've become worm food. I'm stardust, and then I just go back into the ground. Anyone got some Prozac? I'm getting very depressed here. <laughs> it's a very depressing worldview. But when you actually look at those five base questions, it tells a lot, doesn't it? And first of all, you've got to believe everything came out of no, nothing by nobody. And then it's just depressing from there on in because there's no purpose. There's no destiny. There's no morality. And there's no identity. And Christianity holds those things. So these why questions are great. Now, I used to work for an organization in New Zealand called Why Ministries International, WHY. And people would say to me, um, what, what does the WHY stand for? And I would say, well, it's not an acronym. It's a question. The question, why? And then they go, oh, well, why, why? And I'm going, now you're getting it. <laughs> Because the questions need to be asked. We need to ask the why questions. Now, I'm talking about why evangelize today. And so um, I want to look at some other why questions because they're connected with and relating to why we need to evangelize. Why do we exist? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why are we still here on earth instead of in heaven? Why do we exist? Well, in 1643, 121 Puritan ministers were commissioned to go away and answer this very question and a whole lot of other questions. Now, 
We might think that we have some pretty long meetings at work or at church or whatever, but these guys met for 1,163 days, 1,163 day meetings <laughs> to answer this question and a number of other questions. And they, they formed a document called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And when there's the, the, the question, why do we exist? The answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love that psalm. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Our purpose is to know God, is to be in his presence, to know him personally, to glorify him, to worship him, to enjoy him forever. That's why we were made. That's why we were created. That's what we're here for. Why did Jesus come to earth? Well, Luke 19.10 says the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, obviously, that's got to be in line with the purpose of why God created us. And that's, of course, to restore us back to relationship with God. Because we've sinned, we've broken God's laws. Jesus came to die to pay the punishment for everything we've done wrong to make a way possible for us to be reconciled with God. But he states clearly, this is why I'm here. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Coming into the knowledge of Christ is an incredible thing. Now, why are we still here on this earth and not in heaven? Well, because we've got a mission to accomplish. People need to come into a relationship with God. And we are called in 2 Corinthians to be Christ's ambassadors here on earth, pleading with people that they would be reconciled with God. That's our purpose. We're as ambassadors, and it's, it's been God's purpose in creating us. It's the purpose of Jesus coming to earth, and it's the purpose of us as a church is to reconcile people to God. So why should we evangelize? Well, because we are his ambassadors, because of this greater purpose that we're working towards, God's great rescue plan for the world, to bring people into his kingdom, into relationship with him, to save them from all eternity. This matters. And it doesn't just matter for a few years. We're talking forever and ever and ever. There's nothing more important than eternity. Now, as I travel around, I see a lot of churches' vision statements or mission statements, and and you would think that they should line up with our purpose of being here. And they do. Pretty much every church you go to, they haven't just invented their own vision statement. Oh, what shall we do? Our, our vision is to eat pizza and play video games. No, they look at, they say, well, what does the Bible say we're supposed to be doing? And it's pretty much a derivative of knowing God and making him knowing. I'm knowing Jesus and making him known. And do you know what the uh, vision statement for the rock is? What's on the front page of our website, the Rock website? Some of you will know. To know Christ and make him known. It's exactly that. Because that is why we're here. To know him and we're still here on earth because we need to help other people be reconciled with God too. Derek Prince. Now, I, uh, uh, I've got a beautiful book at home, uh, Through the Psalms. It's a, it's a great devotional book. Here's a quote from him. He says, From time to time in the midst of life, we need to pause and consider our ways. It is easy to become so preoccupied with an endless succession of activities 
that we forget the overall objectives. We devote so much attention to the individual trees in our life that we lose sight of the forest that is God's eternal purpose. When this happens, we need to stop and ask ourselves two basic questions. First, what is the end purpose of all that I'm doing? And second, am I achieving that purpose? It's a bit of a soul-searching thing, isn't it? Sometimes we can become so busy with activities and even good activities, the individual trees in our life, that we forget the overall purpose of why we're here. And then when we do understand that purpose, are we actually achieving it? Because is the mission statement of our church authentically and measurably the actual mission of our church? Or is it just what we put on, on, our, on our website? God talks about this when he says about people honoring him with his lips, but then not living it out in their lives. We've got to implement what we say we believe. Well, some people would say, well, look, you know, I, I don't know about this. I, I think the church is all about fellowship. We, you know, that is the main purpose of us meeting. This is the main purpose that we have, this church. Well, you could argue that. I mean, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of one another, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another even more so as we see the day approaching. Now, we see the day approaching, right? Today, we're one day closer to the end than we were yesterday. Every time the sun comes up, we're another day closer. So as we see the day approaching, we should meet together and encourage one another even more so. Now, we're commanded to do that by Scripture. But what are we encouraging each other in? My point in this is that fellowship is a means to an end rather than an end in itself. We're not encouraging each other to fellowship, and then we fellowship and encourage each other to fellowship so we can fellowship to encourage each other to fellowship so we can encourage each other to fellowship. There's a purpose in it, not just to go around in a circle. We're, we're meeting here to encourage each other in the mission of the church, Why? the reason we're here. Because let's face it, if fellowship was the end goal, then Jesus may as well snap his fingers and we're up in heaven having sweet, sweet fellowship with one another. No backbiting, no gossip, no you know problems. We're in heaven with Jesus, fellowshipping with him, fellowshipping with each other. But no, that's not the case. We're still here, aren't we? So <laughs> there's a greater purpose and a reason that we're still here. And our fellowship here is to encourage each other in that purpose. Well, some people might say, well, you know, uh, it's teaching. I mean, Titus 1 verse 9 says, Holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able to both exhort and sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Now, teaching is incredibly important. The word of God is important. And I'm increasingly concerned about Bible illiteracy in churches as I travel around and uh, run seminars. This is an incredibly important thing. We, we, we've got to uh, you know, know the word of God We've got to be like the Bereans and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. So testing what's being said uh, from the pulpits. We've got, to be, we've got to be getting into the word of God and know it 
ourselves so that we don't go into false teachings and listen to false prophets. We need to be discerning. Incredibly important. Uh, the famous scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for the doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. But verse 17 says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice both of these scriptures say, holding fast to the scriptures or the scriptures are inspired that we may do or that the man of God may be or in the Titus one is it that he may be able to both exhort and refute. So again, it's for a purpose, not the end goal. It's a means to an end, not the end. It's incredibly important teaching, but it's not the end goal. We've got a mission to accomplish here. If it was the end goal, Jesus will snap his fingers and we're all up in heaven. Not just reading the word of God. We won't need to read it anymore. We won't read from a book. We'll have the word of God himself in front of us in heaven. Jesus himself standing right there, giving us absolute truth. But we are still here, aren't we? (laughs) So we have a purpose for being here. And it's not just for fellowship and not just for teaching. Well, some people might say it's worship. Now, you can't say that's a means to an end. You've just said it's the reason we exist is to glorify God. And that's absolutely true. Worship is not a means to an end. It is the end. It's why we were created. I love worship. That's why I lead worship. That's why uh, it's so incredibly important. That's why we were created to worship God, to glorify him. Psalm 100 is a beautiful psalm. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The Bible's full of praise for God, full of worship because he's worthy of being worshipped. The chief end of man is what? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But the question I want to ask you is, What is the greatest way to glorify God? Is it to sing a song in church? He is Lord. He is Lord. We can sing the songs, but again, we don't want to just honor God with words. We want to put into practice and show him that he's Lord by doing what he commands us to do and living it out in our lives. Worship isn't singing a song. Worship is our whole lives. And here's another question for you. Where is the greatest uh, place to to, to glorify God? Is it here in church where we all believe he's Lord? We're all singing the song? It's like shining your light when there's light all around you. If you go out into the world and you declare the gospel, who's the hero of the gospel? Jesus is the hero of the gospel. So you're lifting up the name of Jesus in a dark place. Where does the light shine the brightest? In a lit room or in a dark place? You want to give great glory to God with your life. Proclaim the gospel in dark places. Your light will shine the brightest. And again, we're going to ask the question, is that really why we're here? Well, ultimately, it is why we exist, but it's not why we're still here on earth. When we're saved, we could have gone directly to heaven. 
could have bypassed pain and suffering and a whole lot of things. But why are we still here? I mean, if it was just for worshipping God, I don't want to say just worshipping God because I don't want to undermine it at all, but Jesus may as well click his fingers. And we're worshipping with the choirs of angels. Beautiful. I can't wait for that day. But we're still here. We're not in heaven. He hasn't taken us directly there because we've got a purpose. We've got a mission. Now, some people might say, oh, okay, service. Now, you can't say, you know, because I would say that evangelism really is the one thing that we cannot do once we get to heaven. A lot of the other things that we do in church life, we can do in heaven, but we cannot evangelize. We've got one hit at it, one chance while we're here on earth. And because who are you going to evangelize in heaven? <laughs> right? So uh, some people might say, well, what about service? Service is, is uh, something that we can do while we're here on earth. And absolutely that is true. But John Stott writes on this. He says, the church's mission of sacrificial service includes both evangelistic and social action. So that normally the church does not have to choose between the two. But if the choice has to be made, then evangelism is primary. A journalist once tried to, uh, to trap Billy Graham by saying, if a hungry man comes to you and you've got a loaf of bread in one hand and a Bible in the other hand, which one are you going to give it to him? And he said, both. It's not an either or. We need to meet the bodily needs of people. People have needs. And we need to, to, uh, to have a social action arm, but we cannot do that in isolation. Otherwise, we're just a good works initiative. We might as well be the Rotary Club. Buddhists do good works. They give to charities. Muslims give, give money to the poor and, and, and things like that. But they're not going to be saved by their good works and they're not going to be saved by our good works. People are saved when they hear the message of salvation. It's not going to ooze out of us by osmosis and then suddenly people go, oh, I know how to be saved now. They need to hear the message of the gospel. And that's why John Stott says we should be doing both. But if a choice had to be made, evangelism is primary. Well, if this is how it is, fellowship, worship, teaching, service, all these things. Now, again, I want to reiterate, I love all these things and we must be doing these. I'm not saying that we should not be doing those in favor of evangelism. I'm just, not, I'm just saying that they're often a means to an end but they're not the reason that we're still here on earth. We've got a task to do, a mission to accomplish, and where that is, evangelize the world. By evangelize, of course, I mean sharing the gospel message with people. How they respond is up to them, but we need to at least give people the opportunity of coming to know Christ while they're here on earth. Now, if this is why we exist, if this is the reason we're here, then you would think that the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment should link in with this. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we love God? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the evidence of us loving God is that we keep his commandments. We do what he has asked us to do. Jesus' last words to us were to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The Great Commission, the mission of the church. 
So surely obeying God and what he's asked us to do and keeping focused on that should be a sign of our love for God. And the second greatest commandment, of course, is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what would you think of a person who, if they had a neighbor and they had terminal cancer and they discovered a cure for cancer and had a big jar of of pills, and if they just gave one of those pills to their neighbor, they would be completely healed. What would you think of that person if they go, oh, no, I don't really want to tell them about it? Is that loving your neighbor? You could say that you must hate your neighbor. Surely, even if you don't like them, you'd still give them a pill. But we have more than a pill for cancer. We have the words of eternal life. We have the gospel that we can share with people that can affect people's whole eternities, not just a few years on earth. Do we love people enough to share the gospel? Sharing is caring. I'm going to play a video clip now. Uh, Ruben, can you cue the video clip, please? Love should be our greatest motivator. We should be concerned with those around us. We should be concerned with people's eternal destiny. We've got an incredible world that we live in and a whole lot of different, different people, different races, different colors, you know, different cultures. And God loves every single person. His desire is for everyone to be saved. And he's holding out because he wants more in his kingdom. And we've got a limited time. And we need to use that time being focused, not on the individual trees like Derek Prince talked about, but keeping the entire forest of God's eternal purpose in perspective. I want to read the scripture um, from Romans 10 verses 13 to 15, because I think think it gives a real insight as to why we need to evangelize. Um, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. It's a lovely scripture. I want to work it in reverse because we're wanting to see people saved, aren't we? (laughs) For all of eternity. 
But how can someone be saved unless they call upon the Lord? And how can they call upon the Lord unless they believe? And how can they believe unless they hear the gospel? And how can they hear unless someone shares the gospel with them? And how can someone share the gospel unless they're sent out? I would say as an evangelist, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 evangelist, he himself called some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, uh, from evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. My role as an evangelist is to send people out with the gospel, to equip them. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he didn't do it without equipping them first. I believe everyone needs to be equipped to know how to share the gospel lovingly and in a way that non-church people will understand without using all of our Christianese, our jargon. And that's fundamentally why I do what I do, because I want to see the gospel uh, Christians equipped and empowered and sent out. And if they're sent out, then they can preach the gospel. Now, by preach the gospel, I'm not talking about standing up on a pulpit and, you know, Billy Graham or, you know, I'm talking about sitting down over a cup of coffee with your friend, your workmate, and sharing Jesus with them, sharing the gospel with them. How can you share the gospel? Uh, If you're equipped, you can then share the gospel. And if you share the gospel, they can hear the gospel. And if they hear, they can then believe. So they're going from the, the, the mind to the heart. They hear with their ears, it goes into their minds. And then the Holy Spirit brings revelation out of information. And they believe in their heart. And then they call upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. See this pro- process that, it, that, that uh, Romans 10 is showing us here? We're sent out. We preach the gospel. People hear the gospel. They believe. Uh, they call upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. So if you haven't been equipped in how to share the gospel, I'd encourage you to do that because it's the step one. Because unless you're equipped, how will you go out? And how, if you don't go out, you won't share the gospel. And if you don't share the gospel... How will people hear the gospel? And how, if people don't hear the gospel, how will they believe and call upon the Lord and be saved? There's a process that takes time here. And that process all starts with you and I being learning and being equipped and empowered to share the gospel. Now, many of you know that um, we've produced an app called G7, Gospel and 7. If you don't have that on your phone already, I would encourage you to go to your app store, type in G7, the gospel in seven, the number seven, and it's a blue icon. Load it up onto your phone. There's a 30-minute video in there under the instructions that shows you how to use the app. And that's one great way that you can use to share the gospel. Um, Some of you may be using the AnswersAboutLife.com cards, and they're great for just handing out in your day-to-day lives. If you want any of those, come and see me. I'll give them to you. If you promise that you're going to hand them out, I'll be very glad to give them to you free of charge. Uh, it's a small, it costs like five bucks for a hundred normally. I will pay, personally pay for that if you're going to give those out to a hundred people. That's a, that's a great investment of five dollars if you can get one of those cards to a hundred people. Uh, it's a great low cost way of just in your day to day lives of giving out um, and providing an opportunity for someone to be able to see the gospel message because it directs to a website, answersaboutlife.com. It's got a gospel message and it's got answers to questions that they may be asking and they, that may be barriers for them coming to faith. So it's a great website. Um, have a look at it. All right. So why evangelize? Well, we've covered a few things today, haven't we? Uh, number one, it's the mission of the church. Number two, 
Uh, We've got the words of eternal life to share. Why would we not share that with people? Number three, it's why we're here and not in heaven. Number four, it's the only thing that we can't do once we die. We've got one hit at this. Number number five, it's in line with the greatest commandment to love God. And the second greatest commandment to love other people. If we care, we will share. We should be concerned about people's salvation and their eternity. Number seven, it's powerful. Uh, Romans 1.16 says the gospel's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Uh, it affects people's salvation for all of eternity. Uh, number eight, because if you don't sow, you will not reap. We know that as we plant gospel seeds, we don't always see the, the result of that. Just like when you plant a seed, you don't always see the harvest. But Whereas you scatter seed around, we know that some seed falls on good soil. And when it falls on the good soil, we know that that produces fruit. And so what we do know is that unless you sow, you will not reap. Galatians tells us that. I don't care how spiritual you are. You might, you know, read the Bible and pray and fast for 25 hours a day, you know, while serving the poor. But... (laughs) If you go out in your garden and you say, Lord, by faith this year, I'm believing for a mighty harvest and not going to plant any seed, I wouldn't call you spiritual. I'd think you're an idiot. Sorry. But you just cannot expect to get a harvest unless you plant the seed. And it's the same for us. If we want to see people saved according to that process in Romans chapter 10, we need to start by sharing the message that they may hear, they may believe, they may call upon the Lord and be saved. So we plant the seed and we pray that God would water that seed. <clears throat> so many of these reasons. That's eight great reasons for sharing the gospel and evangelizing. David Barrett, an Anglican historian, gives a warning. He says, in our opinion, the greatest enemy of world evangelism is Christian rhetoric. The continual rhetorizing, playing the orator, discussing, arguing, the endless talking and preaching about evangelizing the world without any of the critical implementation. Similar to what Derek Prince said in the earlier quote that I quoted, sometimes we're so focused on the individual trees that we've lost sight of God's, uh, the forest that is God's eternal purpose. We're going to ask those two questions. Number one, uh, you know, uh, are we focused on that purpose? And number two, are we actually living it out? Are we actually doing it? So how are you doing? Are we busy with many things and lost sight of our focus of what we're here for? What's stopping you from proclaiming the gospel? Now, this is a whole sermon in itself, and I'm wrapping up here, so I'm not going to go into all these things, but is it fear? Is it priorities? Is it wrong thinking? Is it laziness? Ouch. Is it pride? What's stopping you from sharing the gospel? Is it lack of training? If you need training, then have a talk to me. I can link you in with our next evangelism training course. Uh, get the app on your phone. Learn, you, know, you can learn it through the internal uh, tutorial. Whatever the reason is, we have to conquer it. We have to be victorious because that's why we're here. It's why we're still here on earth and not in heaven, to 
We've got a task to accomplish, and it's incredibly important. And it's a privilege. I know it always feels like we're being, you know, bashed. Come on, we've got to evangelize. But it's a privilege to be a part of God's great rescue plan for the world. And, of course, the other thing we can do is to pray. And with that in mind, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful that you've saved me, that you sent Jesus to come to earth to die for me. I'm grateful for truth, for purpose, for significance in you. I'm grateful for the opportunity of being part of what you're doing here on earth, to be your ambassador, to bring people to reconcile with you. Help me to be active in doing what you've called me to do for this limited time that I have here on earth. Open my eyes to the opportunities around me. Give me courage, boldness, wisdom, sensitivity. And I pray the same prayer for everyone listening today. I pray you'd help us all. Help us to push through any barriers that we need to and to be a part of what you're doing and sharing this life-giving, beautiful message. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.